0: Hi everyone, your boy Roshan here. Uh, Just two announcements. One, for this episode, we talked to Aina Isa, had a great conversation. We do have a little bit of a a small, tiny audio glitch because my mic turned off for like five seconds. So, mm, we apologize for that. Uh, We've tried to rectify it, but it might not sound that that clear. So, that's the first announcement. Second announcement is, we're going to start doing fact checks at the end of every episode just to make sure that... um, make sure that our content is up to par so there's a fact check at the end of this episode so do listen for that if you want to know if there were any inaccuracies made in the episode we'll try and do it for every week no promises but we'll try so yeah hope you enjoyed this conversation with Aisa. thank you very much for listening <laughs> <laughs> And it's your boy, Roshan Gomez, here for another one. I'm really excited to have uh, uh, my next guest on the podcast. I was thinking how I would describe her and the word incandescent came to mind. I don't, know, a, I don't even
1: know what that means.
0: Uh, I, no, just like <laughs> you have this really nice aura. Like really positive and nice and very beautiful. Beautiful as well. You are much out. too kind. Thank you very much. Um, how does it feel, Miss Ain Aissa? To be on the podcast?
1: It feels also that same aura I'm <laughs> getting from you as well as the lights surrounding me as well as the women behind your production. Yeah. It feels like a very warm glow to your podcast. So very comfortable. Thank uh, you for making me feel welcome.
0: I'm really excited to have you on. Uh, I think we've sort, we've sort of become friends through this whole process.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I will call you a friend. I don't know if you would call <laughs> me a friend. Yeah, I would.
0: I would. Uh, we've officially uh, titled us friends.
1: <laughs> yes, we have eaten at each other's house.
0: Oh, yes, we have.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Um, and yeah, so yeah, and you prepared a really fancy.
1: So do you? I really enjoyed the dominoes. <laughs>
0: the dominoes. Uh, if only I had the wooden platter to like how you, how you spread out the food nicely for us. Yeah.
1: But during the MCO, I probably see you more than I see my
2: actual close friends.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we got to know each other through podcasting. Um, I think what had happened was we both joined the Malaysian… I don't know. Did you find us before that or was it through the Malaysian podcasters?
1: I knew of you before then.
0: Before that. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think you want the early ones to follow us on Instagram. We followed you back. Then I started listening to your content and I really, really like your content. Uh, And maybe just before we proceed, just to lay down what your content is. So you do this really cool uh, uh, type of podcast in that you're actually really interested in public speaking. yeah. And you've decided to sort of do uh, uh, different episodes diving into different aspects of public speaking. But in a very sort of deep, introspective way, right? So, you would pick a particular issue like maybe, I don't know, confidence. Mm. And how that relates to public speaking. And in general, in a philosophical sense, how you deal with that. Yeah.
1: Because I realised that public speaking is not the formal, rigid, like speaking type that you know and see on in like competitions where people give speeches, I realize that public speaking is most interesting when you see how actually it plays out in people's lives. So what I like to do is I like to pick guests who have obviously used their communication as well as speaking skills to progress their career. Hmm. Like an environmental advocate, a startup lawyer, how did debate and public speaking help them in their lives and their future? Because I feel like when you can see it play out in real life, it's kind of like maths. You know, I hate maths. You hate (laughs) maths. Because I never know how it applies to my reality after I'm out. But with public speaking, a lot of people also don't see it apply in reality. A lot of my students see it as like just giving speeches or presentations and. Mm -hmm. so i kind of wanted to highlight how your dreams and your career aspirations could also be helped by having good communication skills yeah i
0: mean i think words are really powerful and we've come to sort of a time uh, in society where mm, i think a lot of people feel defranchised because so many people are saying so many different things and so there is a lot of emphasis on doing rather than speaking but I think at the same time, we can't really negate how powerful words uh, can be and the effect they can have on a society or a culture, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because like, when it comes to words, I mean, recently we had a guest from a, a BFM host. Mm. He was talking about the importance of his words simply because when he was much younger, he had this huge fallout when he, he had a a, a sickness. Mm. And he actually wrote in order to help figure out or help him guide through the process. And he found fulfillment in writing and then speaking out about his journey. And then from speaking out about his journey, other people who are going through… Yes, fibromyalgia.
3: Oh, wow. Which
1: is a… Um, uh, kind of debilitating sickness where you feel constant pain and muscle ache. Mm. Um, it was so bad to the point where he had to drop out of school yeah. when he was doing IB in India. And so his words and his journey actually inspired other people to know that there is an, an end, a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. So I feel like words not only help you internally, but it also externally helps people around you. Yeah. So like recently also, I've been... <laughs> I've been sharing more and more of my fertility journey Mm. on my Instagram and to my friends and I was shocked to find that I wasn't alone. Mm. I was shocked to find that so many other women relate to me. So it not only made me feel better to talk about it, but it also helped connect me to other people who felt the same way and we felt kind of like less isolated in our struggles. So… Obviously, on a bigger scale, politically, there are consequences to your words. But I think for an average layman, it's also important to know that it's not just great for your future, but it's also great for your own personal growth.
0: Mm. I mean, if you think about things like therapy, for example, um, it's crazy, right? When if you really think about what's going on, two people are sitting down and they're just speaking. Just talking, yeah. They're just talking about what's going on in their thought process, their mind, their heart and trying to verbalize a sort of feeling. Think about someone trying to commit suicide. You know, you can only restrain them for so long. Yeah. But you actually need to speak to that person to get them, get them off a ledge. You can save someone with words, right? You can help a person uh, realize or come to some sort of recognition or realization uh, rather.
1: Life and, and death. It's life and death in those situations.
0: Yeah. So words are... Sometimes I think what I was trying to say is that people tend to think that words are frivolous. You know, but actually no. Words can be so powerful.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like I had a… We had a recent episode. I don't know if you caught it. Mm. It was for World Mental Health Day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I interviewed 12 people to ask them what their experience and understanding and perception
2: yeah.
0: of
1: mental health and a lot of them Yeah.
0: sorry maybe before just before I forget yeah. the the episode you were talking is with Roshan uh, Karnason yes,
3: yes
1: right
0: so if anybody wants to check that out <laughs> you know I'm going to plug you in early on Thank before you. I go go check it out I did listen to that and that was a great episode I really enjoyed that but anyway we'll get into that later yeah sorry you were saying uh, world, men- world mental health yeah yep.
1: so a lot of the people that I who volunteered to talk to me about it was like oh I don't have any mental health issues I don't have any problems with stress or life or um, personal relationships. Mm. But when I talked to them about it, they ended up sharing a lot more than they thought they would. And a lot of them felt better talking about it. Mm. They felt like they had closure. So mental health is a spectrum. Like of course, you have those disorders that you may need a therapy. But just talking to someone about it, especially during this time where a lot of people are disconnected with each other. Everybody, you can see each other only through the screens. I think that's something that we really need. That kind of connection. That kind of conversations. And I think that's why you started podcasting, right? Also, yeah. you want to have those kind of co- meaningful conversations. So, you're absolutely right. Mm. Words are important and to a certain extent for in cases of suicide, it's life and death.
0: Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, I think we both started podcasting after the MCO.
3: Yes.
1: Yes. So,
0: in that way, the MC was sort of a blessing. Well, I, like, you know, we don't want to, we don't wish COVID on anyone. Yeah. But in a, <laughs> in, a, in a way, it sort of pushed everyone to sort of innovate and think about their lives and what they want to do and, you know, how they want to sort of leave an imprint, right?
1: How best to use their free time?
0: <laughs> how best? Other is, than baking. Yeah. Did you it, try
1: baking?
0: <laughs> n- uh. Well, well, my mom… Well, I consumed a lot of baked stuff from my mom. <laughs> a lot of baked bread. Did you bake a lot?
1: Yeah, I did actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. Um, Unsuccessfully. <laughs> so, I went to podcasting <laughs>
0: instead. <laughs> yeah, so we both started podcasting uh, after this MCO. Uh, maybe it was a sort of therapy for us, do you think?
1: Yeah, actually it was… It felt like I needed something to focus on because the news outside was so depressing. Yeah. And I think that's what… That's how it became like such a huge passion project. Because public speaking, communication skills, soft skills is something that I was always passionate about. Mm. So having an outlet to express myself and also to like have conversations with others, pick their brain, is something that was so enjoyable. in At a time where you feel quite like lonely, where you can't really go out and hang out with friends. So I think that's what how it started out. But to be honest, mm. it didn't start out like… I didn't like buy a mic and like, yeah, I want to start mm. a podcast. Yeah. Actually, I bought a mic because I wanted to read the articles on my blog. Yeah.
2: yeah, So
1: it wasn't actually like, oh, I'm going to start a podcast. And then I realized that like reading an article sounds super formal.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was going to scrap that idea. And I realized that I have a mic that I needed to use to so then… I realized I listen to a lot of audio media. Yeah, Like I subscribe to The Economist because I don't really have a lot of time to read. Mm-hmm. So I'll listen to it while driving to work or doing the dishes. And then I realized that I could totally just start a podcast. Mm-hmm. So that's how it came to be.
0: Well, I, I've loved uh, getting to know you uh, a lot better. And you know, I've gone on your podcast. Uh, I think that's coming out Very Very
1: soon, end of the month. It's actually our finale. So please, (laughs) please look out for it.
0: Yeah, and uh, so I've gone on your podcast, you're here. And our idea was sort of, let's try two different formats, right? Because yours is more of an interview format. Mine is sort of an unscripted kind of, you know, just conversation.
1: Yeah, I came in with like a whole list of questions (laughs) to ask you, which I sent beforehand. I did like a a week of like research (laughs) And then now here, it's like a conversation. I came in with nothing. So, it's very refreshing actually. (laughs) And very (laughs) nerve-wracking. I think if I didn't know you, I would be like really, really scared by the amount of cameras and lights around me. Yeah,
0: The most (laughs) overproduced podcast in (laughs) Malaysia, folks. Um, But yeah, I've I've loved um, having these sessions with you because we have so much to talk about. You know, in that, okay, we have two main things. One is we both have some background in law. Yes, Uh, yeah,
1: Yeah, you're
0: right. We both uh, both, uh, dropped particular subjects in high school and picked (laughs) up particular subjects. Can you guess what (laughs) what
1: the subject is? Let's do a poll. (laughs) Which SPF subject do you think we lawyers (laughs) dropped?
0: (laughs) You you know what? I was listening to that podcast with uh, Tommy Thomas today. Yeah. Even Tommy Thomas, right? Our previous Attorney General said he took law because he didn't like maths and science oh can you gosh. believe that yeah that's insane
1: I can't believe that because that's why we did <laughs> that's law.
0: what we did but you know it's such a stereotype but it's so true like yeah. so many people I know have done law because they dropped maths
1: sometimes the reasons for doing things are so simple
0: yeah and uh it's but at the same time it's not a, a criteria I would recommend to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Just because you don't like maths, it does not mean that law is for you, right?
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so we both have sort of a legal background. Uh, you did... Uh, I know I'm jumping a little bit, but uh, never mind. Uh, you you um, did your chambering in Zico. Yeah. Then from there, you did your master's?
1: Yeah, I did a master's in corporate law. Uh-huh. Uh, in
0: Cambridge. Oh, a smart cookie.
1: <laughs> no, lah. Oh, okay. Here is where I really want to make it clear. Okay. That people, the moment I got into Cambridge, everybody's like, wow, 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 wow. <laughs> honestly, people just don't try.
3: Okay, okay, okay.
1: I almost didn't try because okay. I was so intimidated. Sure. And also because there was a £50 entrance like <laughs> registration fee to sign up. Yeah. But honestly, I realized that they take in a lot of people. Like in my class, my cohort for my MCL, mm. I had another Malaysian. Mm. And in LLN itself, there was quite a number of Malaysians who got in. Mm. It's just the fact that people are not confident enough to sign up mm. or try. In fact, the only reason I signed up and tried was because my dad told me just do it, just do it. If not, I wouldn't have signed up. Yeah. So I really think it's not. And I'm from a public university. I'm from UITM. Yeah. Which is a heavily funded, quota driven. Yeah. University. I think so. So low on the <laughs> ranking. So like guys, just just try. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah.
0: I mean, UITM is a, a, you know, low in the ranking, but a good, fine university, fine establishment. Oh
1: can yeah. yeah. always uh, sponsor this podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, yes, yes. I am proud to be a UITM <laughs> alumni. Please, uh, More proud than Cambridge. Uh, uh,
0: sponsor <laughs> uh, oh my goodness, how long has it been? Oh, just only is it? Okay, okay. Well, we had a bit of a scare because my mic went off. Uh, oh, thank okay. God for that. That's the first time Jane ever jumped out of a <laughs> chair. <laughs> oh, I legit got scared for a moment. Okay. Uh, yeah, so where was I? Uh, we're talking about… Um, but actually,
1: yeah. can I just um, add on that? Yeah. And the reason why I'm sharing this now and also why I choose to do the podcast is to sort of like tell everyone that you don't need to be good at speaking initially to mm. be a good speaker yeah I had a lot of guests that came in with stutter with someone who was like super shy introverted you mm. yourself we yeah. talked about this you are actually an introvert
0: surprise surprise yes yeah. I am yeah
1: and yet like so a lot of these people get very intimidated from so speaking. I
0: can give you an example like I think I was struggling to explain to you how I'm an introvert and you also I think found it really hard to fathom and a lot of people do mm. so I can give you an example because it just happened to me um when was it last uh, Friday mm just day before yesterday, my friend called me over to her office because uh, she and her husband, are, well, her fiancé, they're getting married. So, we were going to do planning. So, I said, yeah, sure, fine. Me, You're
1: part of the planning process?
0: Yeah. I'm officiating <laughs> the wedding. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, if you have any wedding needs, guys, you can tie <laughs> <buy laughs> Roshan up.
0: I don't know whether <laughs> this is a, 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 a pivot that I want to follow, but they're my close friends and they asked and, you know, it's uh, I would be... I'm you know, so, so happy nice. to be a part of this. You know, it's important. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, uh, yeah. So, I went like over to the office. Uh, two friends were supposed to join us. That's fine. So, my friend was... Uh, she said, oh, come, just come into my... Just open the door and just come on in. I went there and there were like 10 people there. You know, like her neighbouring uh, law firms next to her. They all had like... Were doing like drinks. Mm. And they were like... So, I was so shocked to see like 10 people. And I just... Hi. And I just took a step back and I walked away.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And I had
0: another friend who was going to the ladies. I was like, I'll just follow you. <laughs> she was like, what? I was like, never mind, just give me a... I need time to like, kind of get ready for this. So, I followed her out. And then my... That same friend came out and then we had like, uh, dinner first. I mean, she she we ordered and we ate first and then later we joined the group. I just... I think for me, I need time to sort of like...
1: That's really interesting. Yeah. Actually, because you actually know two people in that group. Yeah. And yet, just the—is sh- it because it was unexpected?
0: Yeah, I think it was unexpected, and it was a lot of people. From I mean, just the sheer numbers, because it was ten people.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so, I would feel like also yeah, like, not, oh my god, yeah. this and, is a trap. <laughs> yeah,
0: and I had no indication whatsoever, so I really didn't know it was going to be that. Maybe I was like, oh man, you know. So I was like, Can I, so I, in that way, I would I, I would think that I'm an introvert, lah.
1: But it's also a misconception to say that introverted people don't like to talk to others. No, yeah, it's just that they don't. they're not very keen on big groups.
0: Yeah. And and not only that, like I was mentioning in your podcast, I think introverts also have the desire to be listened to. They also desire for conversations. But I think it's a matter of they feel most comfortable by themselves in a sort of recharging sort of way. You know, they feel most safe in that mode. Um, And I think they just sort of need to adjust accordingly. And of course, if you're an introvert, you can't spend too much of time with a lot of people for a long period of time. You need to kind of go back and just recharge. And I I suppose with extroverts, they can't be... Like the extroverts stuck in a lockdown now. They're having an extremely difficult time. Because they just feed off energy from other people.
1: You're absolutely right. So that's why I have a little bit of a problem when it comes to my students. Mm. So I teach public speaking during the weekends with the Malaysian Institute for Debate and Public Speaking. Mm. So I teach them on Saturday and Sunday. Mm. So obviously classes moved online. So it really helped my shy students. Mm. Suddenly my shy students get so empowered because they are speaking from the comforts of their own home. Yeah. But suddenly my more outspoken, more extroverted students are not doing well mm-hmm. simply because they thrive off the energy of other people, mm-hmm. and when they're they don't have that energy, you just feel kind of like down, and they don't feel like taking part. So it's also not to say there's pros and cons <laughs> in being an introvert, an extrovert, it's a different a,
0: dynamic. Yes, it's a different dynamic. But
1: both can be good speakers, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't be hard to learn those skills.
0: Yeah, I mean everybody is called to to speak in their own particular way. You know, some people speak less, but it can have like a super powerful impact, right? You know, you can have that. Like guy who doesn't speak so much, and then his girlfriend breaks up with him, and he just says, "You'll never, you'll never get someone better than me," and he just walks <laughs> off. You know, what I mean? <laughs> Just he doesn't even engage in the conversation. He just says his four words, and he just walks off. Yeah, <laughs> you'll
3: know,
1: yeah, you yeah. forever be the one that got away. Yeah, <laughs> the, that got away.
0: <laughs> the tables turn suddenly, right? Or you could have the person who who can speak out everything so rationally and lay out everything so so nicely, right? And that's also a different type of skill set, right?
1: Yeah, like, um, so I was an active debater in UITM. Sure. And we found that in the Asian debating scene, those who did really, really well, like um, teams from Philippines, even Malaysia, as well as Singapore, the top debaters spoke really, really fast. We are talking about this kind of level of fastness.
0: No, even, even faster than that. They, yes, it's like they try to squeeze as mo- uh, as much words as they can
1: in that seven in minute. that seven minutes. Yeah. yeah, so we're like, okay, so what it takes is to put in as much possible into your speeches. But if you look at world champions in mm. Western countries, mm. their pacing is so, like. Soft, not soft, much slower, mm. and they use lesser words. Mm. And then that's when I realized that we are overcompensating for by trying to put as much words as possible, yeah. or much big words as possible, because we are trained to like the more bigger words that you use, the more impressive it sounds. But actually, the best speeches are the ones who say more with less. Yeah, yeah. Because then you get the benefit of having an impact. But obviously, those in the Western countries, like in in Australia, in UK, US, those who typically do best in debates. They have a m- bigger vocabulary, and obviously, they're native speakers.
0: Yeah, so, but it, it, I shrug to say this, but it's also sort of an Asian mentality. The, yeah, you know, the more you give, the the better it is. Um, and in a weird way, you might be because our Malai- Malaysian debaters are good. Yeah, like, yeah, we're yeah. Top class. Yes, we,
2: are,
1: we are. really good, actually. Yeah.
0: We're like we we're can say we are top in the world uh, for a lot of our tournaments.
1: Yeah, I mean yes. Like even our high school debates, um, debaters. So world schools debates recently, they had it all online. It was supposed to be done in Mexico. Sure, I think we we broke all the way to the quarters, and they only lost to Canada, who became the champions Mm. of the whole uh, competition. So we're we're pretty good. I
0: mean, you don't have to look so far. Our famous Mister Sideside. is a debater. Yeah, debater. Former debater. debater.
1: mm. ESL champion. Yeah, lots of <laughs> competitions, yeah. But yeah, there's
0: a there's a, also, a, in a way, it's a weird strategy where the more you speak, the less the adjudicator might not be able to pick up and in a weird way, you sort of, the, you confuse the adjudi- adjudicator to giving you more points. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, it's a psychological yeah. thing. <laughs> I think the reason why this whole misconception was able to stand is because everyone bought into this idea
2: yeah.
1: that if you're rushing to finish your speech, you must have a lot of to things to s- yeah, say. Yeah, exactly. But actually, <laughs> it's you're just putting in more words to say the same thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it's a weird thing, right? The educator, Because the educator would feel weird giving the person who spoke less the point
1: yeah. than the person who spoke yeah, more. Yeah, you're, you're right, you're right. Do you have uh, experience in debating? Yeah,
0: I was... Uh, well... I'm nowhere near your level or anything. No, not, not at all. <laughs> I was a high school debater, but we were in the district with Daman Sarajaya. Oh, so-
1: DJ kids. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're really good. Good.
0: So we always got knocked out. <laughs> we always got knocked out, but we always managed to somehow go to the finals and we would always get knocked out by DJ. Oh,
3: good job. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah, like- yeah.
0: We would beat the BUs and then we would go to DJ and then we would get kicked out by DJ. Um, so we never really progressed further than that. <laughs> but we. We we know, I, I know the standard because I was going against DJ and this DJ at their prime especially. Um, yeah, well, back
1: then it was DJ
0: and Sri Pemata, right? Sri Pemata, Aman Surya I think yes, was yes, very well. Right. So uh, yeah, and then in college, I, I started up a debate club.
1: Wow, you started up your own debate club? Yeah,
0: because BAC at the time had no societies whatsoever. So we did, a, you know, we just internally would debate. You know, I had great debates but it was never like good. It was just like for fun. Uh, The lawyer
1: in you was already shining after you dropped maths.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Anything (laughs) other than maths, I'm going to go all (laughs) out. So yeah, we had a lot of fun. So I do have some basic understanding of debating in that sense. But
1: it's also problematic to me um, when it came to training my kids. That's why I always tell People that if you want to do debates, join public speaking first Mm -hmm. and then do debating. Because once you start debates, it's really hard to unlearn some bad habits of debating. Which is speaking really fast, speaking really emotionally. Mm. Like if I saw some of my debating videos before this, I was like, Who's this angry little girl (laughs) trying to like (laughs) attack somebody? My face was always red. I was Practically screaming. I don't know why I was so angry. (laughs) But those were the habits that I had to unlearn. But if you start with public speaking, Mm. then it's a lot easier to sort of know your uh, speaking identity and personality. So even later, it will give you a lot of um, a good grounding to start debates.
0: But even in general, in life, right? I've come to learn that speaking less is so underrated. And there's so much of finesse in being able to say the least amount of words and deliver the maximum impact. That's like a, a maxim, right? The least amount of aggression is always the optimum amount of aggression. You know, the least amount wow, of... Wow, that's yeah. really profound. Yeah, you know, and I found myself... I'm re- When I have confrontation, I find it very difficult to regulate. I either go too low or too high. And I'm realizing that I need to sort of get it back down to center. So that's been do you have any advice as a public speaker now again <laughs> uh, I found I actually got Isa here to fix me because <laughs> I feel that and I keep telling
1: him <laughs> he doesn't need to be fixed
0: uh, the, the example I used before the podcast was I feel like a Cheta Rompa version of BFM that's the, Cheta the version pa-
1: of the other Roshan <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I feel like the pirated version of Roshan <laughs> No, it's
1: not true you guys are very different <laughs> I dare say you are BFM quality. Oh, wow, wow. No, no, definitely not. Of course. I've seen Roshan because we were high school mates. Yeah, yeah. So he's seen his progression. Like, you could totally apply and probably get on. All right, Roshan? The other Roshan?
0: (laughs) I don't know when he's going to be listening to this, but never mind.
1: Is that enough Roshan already on BFM?
0: There'll be so much of a confusion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry you were saying. Yeah.
1: Alright, so I find that the reason why people f- often feel like they need to always talk is because I actually think that people fear silence. And mm. in my personal opinion, I also fear yeah, me too. that awkward silence. And I think that's why it really drove me to always over-prepare mm. for any interview and like find as many questions as you want. Because God forbid, yeah. there's an awkward pause. Awkward silence,
0: the, 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 the fatal awkward pause. <laughs> yeah,
1: but it's also not just in podcasting. Like, even in real life, people mm. fear hearing their own thoughts. Like, let's say, um, have you ever let yourself be with your thoughts? You'll realise that the most times where you get ideas is when you are allowed to sit with your thoughts. Like when you're showering or um, on the way to work and you don't turn on the video. But we like to drown out our thoughts and silence. So we constantly try to fill in the gap. Maybe you didn't want to go into that room full of 10 people because you're like, what am I going to say? It's going to be super awkward. So I think the first thing that we need to be comfortable with is silence. And I always tell my students, don't be afraid to pause and not fill it up with a filler word. Because mm. pauses are also very powerful when you're having a conversation. Mm. And don't be afraid to think when people ask you a question. Mm. When somebody asks you a question, you in, like, immediately you want to answer the question. Like especially yeah. like in interviews, a scholarship interview, job interview, because you want to look like you know the answer. But actually, research has shown that a lot of employers actually appreciate it if you stop to think about the answer, most of the time, you'll probably get a much Mm. better answer. So I think even with podcasting, I was reading a lot of articles on this. A lot of interviewers feel like they need to fill the gap. Mm. When you ask a question and the guest is struggling to answer, it's okay. Mm. Let them take their time. And sometimes, it's even (laughs) better… to let the silence be really loud Mm. because then the guests will feel more obligated to share, (laughs) share more about themselves because they're like sweating, I I need to talk. So things that they might not otherwise share, they would share.
0: Yeah, so um, I learned that from, I had gone for, in church, they were doing this sort of, because I I teach Sunday school in in, in church and they were doing a course for teaching, Mm. um, sort of a weekend thing. And they were doing one segment on preschool kids, teaching preschool kids, but we all attended. <clears throat> and one of the techniques they use in preschool, these teachers at least, they said when you deal with preschool kids, always talk softly. So when you do a presentation, they go lower. They go, Hi, children. This is Mister Rabbit, and all the children will put their heads closer because they want to hear the story. Oh,
1: that's so interesting. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So you go softer. You would think with all these loud kids, you'd want to speak louder, but no. Being able to learn, you know, play with dynamics like going softer can bring people in, right? Yeah. yeah. I thought that was amazing.
1: That's a really yeah, that's a really good uh lesson because a lot of people think for you to be heard, you need to speak really loud. Mm. And I also think that there's a a thing where do you know that the voices of women forty years ago mm. are much higher than they are now? Oh. But physiologically and biologically we haven't changed at all with our anatomy oh. but the reason why women have changed their voice to be lower is because traditionally people with lower voices held more authority yeah for sure like obama he's an amazing speaker even bush to a certain extent you know that low tone just gives you that sense of like safety authority someone that's persuasive So, but actually, so a lot of speakers, a lot of my students are really shy when their voice is a lot higher or sounds a lot different. But like you said, there is value in changing and modulating your voice to be softer. Mm. I found a lot of speakers who would like to create that attention, get attention from the audience. They purposely switch their delivery to be slower, softer just to get emphasis and to create that impact. So like don't be afraid to use your voice. Don't be afraid to like low well, not lower it because yeah. that's that's counter. Yeah. Um, but also to just use your normal voice to your advantage.
0: No, honestly I've I've been thinking since doing this podcast.
1: You have a very good low voice by the way. Yeah it's no so very authoritative so voice. So when
0: I started this podcast, I started thinking a lot about my voice because I need to do a sound check before we release an episode, I end up listening to myself a lot. And I'm like, every time I listen to my voice, I'm like, oh my God. Roshan, what's wrong with you? I would kill
2: to have your
1: voice. (laughs) No, I kidding I think
0: your voice is nice. I feel like your voice is made for podcasting.
1: No, my voice is a voice of a librarian. (laughs) Like, yes, would you like to take this book? Uh, Would you like to borrow this book? It doesn't have impact. Like, So I actually struggle with that. Yeah. Because if you hear my voice in comparison to your voice, I would vote for you.
0: Okay, right. You know? So, okay, okay. Well, to be fair, but so I've, I've listened to myself a few times and so what I've done is I have actually tried to play with my voice a little bit. You know, even your podcast episode with Norman Chella was so helpful because when you all started talking about finding your voice, I was oh, here go. These are the techniques, right? That Norman uses to maybe like modulate his voice or whatever. But he started, he went off on tangent on, on finding yourself and before you can find your <laughs> yeah, voice yeah, yeah. it's like yeah i never thought of it got deep yeah yeah so yeah check out uh isa seek to speak uh podcast it's really great uh but anyway so i started uh sort of making my trying to keep my voice as low as possible uh whenever i could like whenever it would come to my mind i would try and Make so it you go yourself lower.
1: knew that that was something that of is of an advantage.
0: Yeah, yeah, I did realize that that I have a baritone voice, and I thought, okay, I'll try to re- you know keep it as low or maintain it as long as I can, to sort of have that, like you said, that impact, right? Uh, but then I realized that it's hard to have fun with a low voice.
3: Yeah, you know, it's hard to have
0: fun with a low voice because there's so much of uh, expression when you can go a little
3: bit higher. <laughs> 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 he's, Bravo! Just go
0: it is so much fun right yeah 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 yeah
1: <laughs> that that is the problem with safety nets yeah so my questions that i prepared for you that's a safety net
2: mm.
1: it's great if you don't have anything else to say but it's also very limiting mm-hmm. so while having a low voice sounds a lot more persuasive you're also constantly thinking about having to keep it low. yeah, You know, you don't have that kind of freedom. So, it's about striking the balance. Mm. And I'm impressed here. I mean, you guys can't see it, but he literally just have one tiny <laughs> notebook which had like three points. Literally, just three points which we discussed a few seconds before we start. So, and, I think it's impressive. And
0: we haven't touched any of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, okay. So, so far, for all you public speaking enthusiasts and podcast enthusiasts… <laughs> We've covered these, I think, really good tips. One, uh, what is the first one? Uh, um, um, don't speak too much. Right? Don't be afraid to speak less. Two, don't be afraid of awkward silences. Yeah. You know, use them. And three, don't, uh, don't, you don't have to follow a sort of standard tone. You can, you've each, everybody's been given a tone, play with that tone.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Play with that tone. Your tone is good. My tone, even though it's not as low as I hope it would be. <laughs> but somehow, honest, it appeals to people I, like I Roshan. I like your
0: voice. I really, really… I honestly thought, Wow, Isa has a wonderful voice. Norman has a wonderful voice.
1: So, the feeling is mutual. So, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. People feel like the audience is constantly judging. judging yeah. But actually, they're constantly on your side. Mm. They just want you to do well. Yeah, yeah. So I I should take my own advice and be yeah. quite happy with my voice. Yeah, you have
0: a wonderful voice. Don't worry about it. You too. story. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a funny story about the sort of stereotypes and uh, stereotypes you put on public speakers, lah. Um, there was a famous um, there was a lawyer who told me, made this comment about a senior counsel, legal counsel in Malaysia, top counsel in Malaysia. Mm. That's a lot of matters in federal court, court of appeal. So let's call this guy, this counsel X. I'm not going to say the name, okay? <laughs> I've learned to be careful with the things I say on this podcast.
1: <coughs> so As the lawyer in yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm
0: going, I don't know, man. He might give me business one day, so I'm not going to say anything. So Mr. X is top counsel. And so this person was telling me the thing about Mr. X is he appears in court of appeal, federal court. And what happens is when Mr. X submits, his client doesn't understand what he's saying. His opponent doesn't understand what he's saying. The judges don't understand what he's saying. And Mr. X doesn't understand what he's saying. (laughs) But he wins. Wait, what? Then
1: how? Is this like gravitas?
0: I think it's gravitas. I think his thoughts are so abstract. That That you
1: feel like it's impressive.
0: Yeah. And there's also a fear of not understanding. You know like… Someone says… Oh, that's blue. And then it's a confirmation bias and everyone's afraid to look stupid. Yeah. So yeah, and yeah, that is. Blue. It's like
1: Inception. Did you like Inception? Yeah, yeah, of <laughs> course. Did you understand it? Totally. But in my head, I'm like, no, I don't. But I'm not going to admit yeah. that I didn't like it or didn't understand it.
0: I-, I was watching a funny documentary that also has this similar kind of confirmation bias. This was in the early, I think it was the early 1910, 19, no, it cannot be. It would have been around the Second World War, maybe the 19... 19- 60s about there. So, d- they were discovering things like X-rays and you know, all these different type of rays, right? Yeah. So, there was something <laughs> called, I, I hope I can remember this properly. And it was a French scientist. It was called Z-rays. If I'm not mistaken, I will check this. Mm-hmm. So, what would happen is he was a, a leading scientist uh, in respect of electromagnetism. Yeah. And so, what he would do is he'd take a particular type of metal, he would heat it up and then he noticed at the corner of his eye, there would be a sort of, it would be vibrating. So, they kind of, uh, from there, um, uh, they extrapolated that this was a new type of ray that you can't see, the Z-ray, right? And so, he got a big prize from the French government, got money, everybody, and all um, French scientists started to like, study the Z-rays. They were telling, oh, it has this criteria, it has this criteria, this and it's affected by water, blah blah, 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 blah. So, then the American scientists and the British scientists were getting annoyed because they kept on trying to discovered this ray but they couldn't uh, reproduce it. So, the, I think the British managed to convince American scientists to go down, talk to the scientists and see the experiment. Mm. And the American scientists played with the experiment and realized that that main scientist was imagining it.
2: Oh my god! And
0: everybody confirmed Bought it into the
1: idea. Yeah. It's a farce.
0: Yeah. So he, the the scientist will, can you see from the corner of your eye, <laughs> right? Can you see from the corner of your eye? Then <laughs> the American scientist what nobody was going to about? say no, right? Yeah, and because American scientists wanted to disprove him, because if not, it looks so badly on American scientists, right? That
1: they haven't discovered it, right? Yeah. So
0: you, he there needed to be someone with something to lose, right? To kind of push back, and so then what he would do, he he told a German scientist. Okay, you look at the corner of your eye, I will play with the... (laughs) And so, it was no difference when he turned it left, turned it right. He still saw the ray, right? I mean, he still saw the thing move. So, it's just an interesting thing about uh, 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 confirmation Confirmation bias. bias.
1: Like with the housing market as well. Mm. Before it burst, everybody bought in this idea that no one would stop paying for their mortgage. And of Mm. course, this is lucrative until even credit rating agencies were confirming everything that shouldn't have been confirmed (laughs) simply because the market was at that... Uh, At that time, Mm. people didn't want to believe that this thing could burst. Everybody was making money out of it. Mm -hmm. So, like, we see that confirmation bias happening, like, in all Mm. (laughs) industries, even today. Yeah. I feel…
0: Do you think that in the debating community, there's a a sort of elitism?
1: Mm, Okay, that's a very good question. Mm. I think that… Okay… Let's start out with the foundation that anybody can join debates.
2: Sure.
1: Meaning, uh, yes, of course, if you come from an English-speaking family and you are a lot more privileged, you come from a private school, so these uh, individuals normally do better Mm -hmm. at the beginning. But I also believe that because by virtue of the fact that a lot of public university students also join debates and do well, that it is not something that is super exclusive. However once you are a debater, mm. there is sort of like this perception that you are smarter. Mm-hmm. So, what do you mean by elitist? Okay, before I shoot myself in on <laughs> in the foot, before I, mean, I start outing debaters.
0: <laughs> no, let's maybe we better not mention any names. Okay, I'm I not going to mention names. You might need them it. to come on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think I've gone for debate tournaments in like, I don't know, help. and mm. you know, I've gone for opens, right? As a participant. And you can kind of tell who the top debaters are because of the way they sort of move. They sort, they do have a kind of high tea, sort of like, ooh la la. I'm, you know, the top guy. Why are you talking to me? Sort of, sort of orala. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, sometimes as an outsider, you overread things, right? They could be nice, but I've also heard other people say that you know there's sort of a type of. It's not like a racial thing. It's not even a, a, a gender thing. It is an intelligence thing, and they do, uh put you know you it's a weird kind of discrimination is you need to be smart you know and if yeah. you're not smart you're put down
1: yeah okay so what i believe genuinely is that a lot of these top debaters feel like they need to exude that confidence in order to do well. Mm-hmm. Because once you have that level of confidence that you are intelligent, that you are smart, that you are able to outprove any kind of theory or argument, then you're best able to do your job as a debater. Because I'm sure you know losing debates is soul-crushing. It is. Like having another participant tell you why your argument is flawed or i.e. dumb mm. and then later finding out you lost and the adjudicator telling you exactly <laughs> why you lost. Yeah. It is terribly… It's, it feels terrible on yeah. your confidence but in the inverse, yeah. if you were told that you are right… That you are a great debater. It's an ego boost. It's a huge ego boost. Mm. And I also think that feeds the addiction. Mm. So that's why you have this sort of aura. And I see this in councils as well. When it comes to lawyers… If you talk to litigators or people in corporate, you know who are the the people in litigation because it's that kind of aura that they sort of need to have, that image that they need to have for their clients to believe in them, for other people to believe in them. And that's why the Council X probably got all of those (laughs) wins based on that aura. So I feel like I wouldn't say that it's something that is necessary, but it's something that is common. It's a byproduct. Of yeah. the
0: exercise. I wonder whether it's that... Winning that gives them that egoistical... or Not even... It doesn't have to be ego. Give them that super confidence. Or whether it's the confidence in, in self that... You mm. know, pushes them there. Because... Uh, for example, you talk about Top Council in Malaysia you notice that there's a particular type of personality type. Yeah. You know. <laughs> not gonna name names. Not gonna name names. Lovely. My fellow uh, uh, learned counsel, you know, my learned friends, all very nice. <laughs> all very nice. Very distinguished. But some of them can be douchebags. Some of them. <laughs> some. some of not them. all. Some. 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 A, a small, loud few. <laughs> I
1: I think it's the validation. Yeah. When you're constantly validated that you're arguments or that your views are right, Mm. you tend to feel like you are more often than not right. I actually feel like it is such a huge trap because when you feel like you are the smartest one in the room, even before the other person speaks, you really lose out in finding out or improving or having more knowledge. I see that with a lot of older debaters and I see that with even some legal counsels where they are sort of like adamant of not taking criticism mm. and like you I mean you work with a lot of associates as yeah. well right sometimes it's really hard to tell your boss that maybe this is you so when you keep up that charade i feel like it also stops you from learning to things because you're not humbling yourself yeah. to be proven wrong i love to be proven wrong actually mm. i really really do because that means i'm growing my perspectives are changing mm. because nothing is fixed yeah. I think what we have discovered with the pandemic is that anything can happen and like our existing assumptions on economy, on race, on rights, on... Well, not religion, mm. but governance is ever-changing.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you sur- if you surround yourself with yes-men, you're doomed to foolishness. Lah, because you could be saying the stupidest thing and everybody would just be saying yes. I think I, I remember reading somewhere that Hitler would, you know, kick out or kill anyone who disagreed with him. <laughs> so, ultimately, anyone who said that the war was going badly, he would get rid of them, right? So, he only surrounded himself with yes men. And that ultimately led him to committing suicide, right? Yeah. Because he couldn't face the reality. He couldn't plan for things going wrong. He
1: probably definitely had some mental health issues as well.
0: Uh, I don't know about that. I'm not sure about… But you know. also,
1: if you surround yourself with yes men, I mean, with not not just governance, right? you constantly feel like you need to do more to stay in power. Or like, you constantly need to... Like, I feel like right now, the reason why there's a lot of political tensions and political uncertainty is because nobody really has the mandate. Yeah. Like, And because nobody has the mandate, you're constantly trying to surround yourself with people that you think will forward your cause. I'm not going to go into this
0: sure. too much. But, but I, I also have to say that I think... I'm not sure whether... I would say that... It seems like with Malaysian politics... There just seems to be a lack of humility. I don't know whether the humble ones... Are the ones keeping quiet. So we are only listening to the... Loud sort of you know... Not so thought out persons. But even the top politicians right... We are talking our Tun Ems. Talking our Anwas. You know you could be either camp. I'm not saying that either one is better. But if we had more humility coming from... Either one of these men if we had more humility from muhiddin Anwa, tun m so much of our problems would be be rectified yeah. but the problem is each one thinks that they are the best that they
1: are right that yeah. they 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 represent the will of the people yeah. not and it cannot be that all of them represent the will of the people and honestly as the will of as somebody who's part of the people yeah. i actually feel really apathetic yeah Like, after the May elections, I was extremely empowered. Like, I remember right after when they had the budget 2020. Mm. I was super excited to find out, like, the direction of this new government. What they were going to invest in. And honestly, when this new budget was stable, I just felt like, what for? (laughs) Like…
0: It's so sad. uh, uh, Ironic slash sad slash depressing that Pakatan Harapan was named Pakatan Harapan.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) (sighs) Because really, it was a party of so much hope when their elections, when they won, people were so freaking happy.
3: Yeah, I
0: never. It was like the only thing that I seen close to that was when Obama became yeah, president. Yeah, 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 That's how it felt. Like everything was so charged up, and for it to end in this way, you know, it's just it's so such sad. Such
1: a mess. We don't even know if our budget will be passed. Like
0: I don't know. Even uh, the young. I mean, I've I've I mentioned Carl Young. In a few of these episodes, but even he said, um, I think someone who it was another. I watched another interview with another guy, and he said he met Kalyang, and Kalyang mm. told him that the best thing he ever did was whenever he spoke to someone, he sort of. Actually, I'm not sure whether he told him this or he got this from talking like to or got it from talking to Kalyang. He got that message, which was, Kalyang always treated you like you were the smartest person in the room, and. It's wow. so, uh, And for a smart person to do that, it's brilliant. Because yeah. even the smartest person can be wrong. And so when you put that… And this is something that I struggle with as well, right? Um, I like to like uh, talk to people and blow their minds. But I realized that I also need to learn that maybe that person can blow my mind. <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. I feel like the issue is also two-pronged is one, you're either unwilling to accept mistakes or unwilling to accept a differing opinion. Mm. And that's why you're constantly trying to silence others. Mm. Or second of all, that the other portion of the society is just afraid to disagree. I find that I don't know if it's an Asian culture. Like I see it a lot with my students. They take a lot of things as is. They don't question whether or not it's something that's right. They're just agreeable. And actually, a lot of uh, my younger students, if you ask them for an opinion, their standard answer would be a shrug and an I don't know. Which I really hate. Like I hate the words I don't know. Because you can't not have opinions on something. Mm -hmm. So I find that when you put these two parts of the society together, of course the one that doesn't want to back down, of course the one that, you know, says a lot of things even though they may not have actions to back it up will be the one that… Are, become the leaders and the ones who don't want to disagree becomes mm. the followers. So, I think that's that's a huge issue. <laughs> well, mm. not in my opinion anyways.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I find you very interesting because from talking to you and getting to know you, you come off, I, well, I don't know you whether this is you all the time, but you've come off as someone very po- positive, uh, someone who likes to empower others. But again, you're also someone who I think socially is very liberal uh, or maybe progressive might yeah, be the I'm, better I'm, word.
1: I'm quite liberal. <laughs> I'm quite liberal, yeah. saw <laughs>
3: <Okay.
0: laughs> was saying in the last podcast, I found it really funny. She said like... Uh, she was asking me a question and then she was saying like, you know, you did this episode with WAO, Women's Organization, and you had all these feminists on... And then you tell them that you're a conservative, and then you're talking to them about all Yeah,
1: this. no, you're not, Okay, it's not just you're a conservative. But I believe in traditional roles. <laughs> I believe that gender roles still have a place in the world. And I think, I mean, I don't know. That the, I didn't see the two girls in person, but if I'm with them, I will like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you do know who we are, right? Like.
0: <laughs> oh, man, I found it so funny because I also didn't realize how absurd that might look like. But yeah, I
1: mean, even Jeremy was like, "Uh, no, bro." (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I disagree. (laughs) Oh man, but I love that. I love putting, um, different people together and having ideas clash because I think we can uh have differing views and we can break we can uh break bread after that. Mm. We don't have to be damn enemies, lah. You know, we can have different opinions and there are things we can learn from everybody, right? So, like with you, right? Okay, you're liberal. Uh, But you're very empowering. You're very positive at the same time. I
1: like how you say but. Are you… Liberals usually not empowering?
0: (laughs) So, what I want to say is I've come to meet many liberals who are very angry at the world because sort of the liberal basis is injustice, right? We want equality. We want equity. The world is sort of inherently unfair sometimes. It comes off like that, right? I don't know whether they really believe that. And um, I've definitely met select individuals who, who really, really come off as being really angry at Everything, and sometimes it can be things in their own life. They have faced such injustice, right? They have faced um, such it's hard hurt. not to
1: be angry. They
0: they face such hurt, and so their worldview is very negative. Whereas for me, I guess as a person, I sort of believe that people. Um, I know people can do bad things, but I just think that you know I, I had this interesting thought uh, before I ask you the question. I had this interesting thought. I uh, was thinking about like how people scream when they're in pain. Mm. And uh, people scream when they're in danger. And I was thinking about how you it's a, it's a deep biological thing, right? It's to like
1: visceral. Like, you, know. you do
0: it as a baby, right? Yeah. And I was thinking about the sort of evolutionary, where does that come from? I was thinking it can be two things. it's Either it's a way to scare off predators. You scream, you scare them off. Mm. Or it's a call for help. Yeah, And I like to think that it's more the call for help. And I was thinking that when everything else, in your when you're in such deep pain and hurt and your whole brain shuts down, deep down, you scream because you know that someone is coming to save you. I like that idea that we scream because we know that we are meant to be helped. And that we know deep down that there is someone out there that will rescue us. So I, I just like to think that deep down, people are meant to save and be saved. And yeah. that it's not all taking advantage of and predatorship even though there is those aspects. But deep down, we are made for other people, right? So, I just find sometimes with the liberal sort of language, with all the calling out of injustice, it's a lot of anger. But with you though, I don't feel that at all, you know? You seem to be someone who still manages to find a balance between the two. Speaking out about things that you think are important, but at the same time, empowering people, spreading a sort of positivity, so how do you find that balance? How, how, how does that work? I... What makes you tick, Isa? <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow, that's such a like, deep question. But I agree with you. Sometimes the rhetoric or narrative that the liberals run sounds very exclusive. It's yeah. a lot harder to subscribe to it. And I think the simple reason why I'm more amenable than maybe other liberals that you've met is because I hate to say it, but like, I think I'm privileged. I have not personally been been persecuted, based on my identity or my race or mm. my views. I am from a middle-income family so I've never felt like I was robbed of an opportunity. So I think in that sense, my views are based on what I believe is right and wrong, not how I was personally affected mm. negatively by something. Sure. And I think that's why you feel like a lot of other liberals most of the time, these people who are crying out for help, who are screaming on the streets, who are angry, they demanding a radical change are people who have been directly affected Mm. by a policy or a mindset or um, any kind of views that directly affect who they are and how they live their life. So my quality of life in that sense is not as affected as them. So because of that, I'm able to separate a little bit more of the emotions and I'm a lot more positive. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, the case, maybe a lot of these people don't feel that way. Mm. Maybe they had their lives completely turned upside down because of this. So I think that that's why I'm... Not not because of any <laughs> <laughs> profound state of like self or zen no, or... No, no eat,
0: pray, love moment. No, <laughs> no I, body I, I, moment. Wish,
1: yeah. I wish it was the case, but it isn't. Mm-mm-mm. And I think that you're... Absolutely right. A cry of… Like for example, if somebody is having an argument, right? You have… When they feel like they're not being heard, that's when people start shouting. That's when people start resulting to violence. Yeah. And this is how they feel. Like they are not being heard. Mm-hmm. But… Is it productive for you to shout and scream Mm. and fight on the streets? Or is there a way for you to channel that kind of anger into a productive way? Obviously, that's really hard to do. (laughs) Obviously, it's really… And it's also really hard for you to sit down on the same table as somebody who you see as a threat to your livelihood, to your sense of self. Mm. You sometimes feel like you need to be on a defensive. Like you're being attacked. Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of liberals feel like they need to protect their views because they are um would you say a minority?
0: Sure, sure.
1: They yeah. are a minority and sometimes you feel even more and and because of that maybe it's really hard for them to see what's the logic on on yeah. your side. I
0: mean, that's been a struggle for this podcast in in that I've trying really I'm trying really hard not to uh destroy or convert the people that I'm talking to. I want to generally hear their thoughts and ideas but at the same time, I want to challenge those thoughts and ideas. Mm. So, the struggle for me has sort of been finding the right tone or the right, you know, the right level of aggression to without scaring the person off and in the same time, inviting a sort of deeper, deeper conversation. It's been really tricky.
1: I think you have struck the balance actually to be honest because I'm saying all this yeah. but I find it hard to disagree. Mm-hmm. I, you see me as somebody who is positive. Mm. Something that is empowering. But I find it hard to impose my will. Mm. Be- because in some circumstances, you need to be able to put your foot down and say, no, this yeah. is the right thing. Or no, I really believe in this. That it's okay for you to disagree, but this is what I believe. I find myself… And that's why I feel like to a certain extent, I also subscribe to that problem of following. Yeah. It's very hard for me. There are a few things that my guests have said, which I personally really disagree with.
3: Like me <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 mm. But I, I'm not going to say it.
3: <laughs> but
1: I didn't feel like I needed to have that conversation. Yeah. or I didn't feel like I need to push. So that balance is also very difficult for me because mm. what are you trying to prove mm. if you're trying to push a point? Sure. What are you trying to achieve? Yeah. So what are you actually? What are you trying to achieve when you try to strike that balance? Is it because you want to show that there is uh, discourse
0: on both sides? No, I think I'm just fascinated by people. You mm-hmm. know, I just think people are so interesting and fascinating. Whether you're super conservative and Trump supporter, or whether you know you're really liberal and you know you're out there marching, uh, I do get. But so I, I I'm, I, I've always liked to talk to people. And find out their stories. I really like stories. I do get annoyed at irrational people. This is my pet peeve. Okay,
1: what's irrational, quote unquote? Because <sighs> what, I struggle with that def- definition.
0: So okay, I can give you an example. There was one time I was doing a, a, a project. Uh, we were organizing an event. Okay. I have some background in odd jobs, and one of my odd jobs was event. <laughs> you manager. do a lot of things. I, you know, I used to <laughs> work in. A, I used to work in all apartment state. <laughs> As <a> <laughs>
1: You, you used to intern for a politician. You used to intern for... A, where did you find the time uh, version?
0: Throughout my life. So I was interned in a sandwich shop. I interned in the oil palm estate. Just so you guys interned know, he's still invento. quite
1: young. So, I don't know where he finds <laughs> this time.
0: But yeah, anyway. So, <clears throat> what was I saying? Uh, yeah, so, we were doing an event management sort of thing. So, we were setting up. And I had set up uh, this sort of setup before. And I learned how to do it in a very... Uh, uh, I would say efficient, very fast method of setting up this particular setup, right? Mm. So, but someone had taken over my role and I had moved to like sort of like, I was supposed to supervise. But, you know, this is his area. He's yeah. in charge of the logistics. He's supposed to set this up. I'm supposed to supervise the whole thing as, as a whole.
1: Oh, not bad. Uh. Intern Lord power. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. It's not really intern. I, I, I just don't know how to explain it. But anyway, so, then, um, this person, his idea was Let everyone take their time so they can do it properly. So, but for me, I kept on telling him, look, I hear what you're saying, but there is a more efficient way of doing this. Mm. You can have a plan and just follow the plan. You will do it safely and very fast because now it's taking an extremely long (laughs) period of time. Then he was like, so I was saying, you know, there's a better way to do this. Then he said, no, you have your way and I have my way. I was like, no, there's one way that's better. (laughs) <laughs> then he was like, we can agree to disagree. And I said, no, we can't agree to disagree because I'm stating a fact. I've done is this. Is it a fact? I've done it faster, efficiently. It's a tried and tested system that works. And I'm like, um, I, we can agree to disagree. No, we can't <laughs> agree to disagree. I've done it before. That's your way. This is my way. No, there's no your way, my way. One way is better. I disagree. I can't take it. <laughs> you know, oh I almost exploded. God. I just can't take... You know, like people who like use a sentence to sort of cut off your argument in a way.
1: Like it doesn't matter because uh, my way is another way. Yeah.
0: No, because in that particular circumstance, there was a tried and tested method that worked and was way more efficient. But you discard, disregard the efficiency and say, no, that's your way. This is my way. Yes, but one way is better. No, I disagree. What do you mean you disagree? You can say you don't want to use the method... But one way is better than the yeah, other. Yeah, 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 yeah. I still feel the anger even though...
1: It's yeah, I'm so like... Uh, <laughs> I, I feel it. I, <laughs> I feel the anger too. I'm like...
0: <laughs> but yeah, that's... Um, so I, I dislike irrational sort of arguments... And I disregard... I mean, I dislike people who sort of... Um, you know, just... They speak over other people... And they don't listen. You know, some people... They have an agenda when they're listening to you. They're not really listening to you. They're just furthering their agenda? Do you you get what I'm saying?
2: No,
1: no, I understand. They're giving you a false uh, premise to stand on. I feel like if anybody has a conversation with the intent to already know that they are right, then that's not an honest conversation. But in terms of what you were saying, the sad reality is that emotions actually drive people to action. It is not logic, unfortunately. Unfortunately. I mean, even if you look at, let's look at human communication. I think if you look at the percentage, I think it was Dr. Mahrab Bun. Mm. He's a psychologist. He said that um, communication is divided into three. The words that you use, your body language and your voice, your tone. So the words that you use was only like, I think, less than 30%. Mm. The rest made up like 70% of how people perceive. For example, I can say Roshan, I'm having such a good time here.
0: Mm-hmm. Would you mm-hmm.
1: believe the words that I use no, or no, no. how I uh, say it? She had
0: her eyes rolled up <laughs> and she was doing a whole... She had a very sort of... Um, uh, East Coast sort of... <laughs> I don't
3: know where that
1: came
0: from. <laughs> <laughs> like a really Paris Hilton sort of vibe. Like a really atas Isa was born out of
1: <laughs> Yeah. And like I always tell my students... Every time you end a speech... Have a call to action. Mm. Because... Once you have a call of action, to action at the end and once you hone into a negative, uh, hone into an emotion, it's a lot easier for your audience to buy into the idea because once they marry the idea with an action,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you're gold. That person is persuaded by whatever you're saying. Yeah. And the unfortunate thing is when it comes to emotions, there's something called the emotional contagion. Mm. If you get one person to… You know like when you yawn? Yeah. Other people will start yawning. Sure, yeah. Or when you laugh. It's infectious. Yep. The the when it comes to speakers, I always tell my students to try and um, zone into one emotion. And but the sad reality is that negative emotions spread a lot faster than Mm. positive emotions. Mm. That's why you see a lot of populist politicians now doing very well. Because once you capitalize on fear, division, hate, it's so easy to galvanize people into action because they feel threatened. Because these negative emotions sell. Even if… Even with the face of evidence which shows the contrary. You know, yeah. we see it now with the US elections. We've seen it <laughs> in the past in the US elections as well. Yeah. Even with the Brexit um, referendum vote. Yes. You know, people are more likely to believe what they want to believe. And that's why you were talking about confirmation bias, echo chambers are also so harmful when you only surround yourself with people who will agree or subscribe to the same values that you. So they keep continuously validate your opinion. They continuously validate your opinion to the point where you feel like you're right. Yeah. All the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're completely right. It's… it's People become irrational because they allow themselves to be irrational. They feed into the irrationality. Yeah. And it's so easy to feed that irrationality, unfortunately.
0: it's like You can go two ways about it. It's Either you can... There are, there are groups of people who sort of disregard the feelings of the population, right? So, these are the people who say like, look at the statistics. This mm. is not true. This statistic is not true. But they don't really get in touch with what's going on in the grassroots yeah, level. Yeah, that's also true. But then you have the other extreme where it's fully emotional and you don't... And it's like a wild horse, you know, like a wild... Like a chariot without, <laughs> a, a, chariot without a chariot, right? Yeah. And that, that horse can easily take you off a cliff, you know, if you don't sort of... So, again, like what you said, the marrying of, of these different modes of uh, tackling an issue, right?
1: But then it's also, it also begs the question of like, are irrational choices bad or wrong choices. Meaning that nobody ever asks you why you vote for a certain candidate. You can vote for a candidate or for something so stupid. Mm. Like you like how they look. Mm. Nobody asks you why you get married to another person. Mm. Is, it a iras- is it a rational or irrational choice? Mm. The state allows you to make these decisions regardless of why you made these decisions. So then it's a question of like, to what extent do we allow people to be irrational? Mm. Or to what extent do we allow people to translate those irrational thoughts into things that can actually change the state and mm. the course of the country?
0: Yeah.
1: So that's another <laughs> huge argument um, to make.
0: It's either you be the shepherd or the sheep in a... Kind of way, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, that's I, true. I suppose the sheep would be the more rational people who stick together. There'll be that one shepherd, you know, the one irrational person who, like, kind of speaks or out. Or, like, lemmings. Yeah. That one lemmings. lemming that is running off
1: the cliff, and yeah. you're
0: like, yeah, let's go, let's do it. Or, it could be the one person who gets, who shouts out enough to uh, get everyone to avoid the cliff as well. Yeah,
1: that's true. That's yeah, true. You
0: know. Yeah. I mean, how, uh, it's a tricky, tricky thing. That's why I like Jeremy because. Jeremy and me have. You know, I miss oh, he's Jeremy. Oh, he's not here. This
1: is the first time you're doing one-on-one, yeah. right? Yeah, this you're doing f- really well, by this the way. Th-
0: thank you. This is the first time <laughs> I'm doing one-on-one. Aisha knows how insecure I am about doing it by myself. And uh, so I'm very glad to have a, a seasoned pro with me. Oh
1: my god. <laughs> I, actually, I'm so happy that you're so honest about it. Yeah. Because people who hear you wouldn't think that this is something that you struggle with.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And
1: I feel like it's so great to hear somebody as seasoned as you... Mm someone who I thought had no issue speaking. Like I remember, I was listening to your first episode and halfway you guys just cut and like, alright, we're going to listen to the audio. And then we come back, okay, sounds okay. And I was just like, what? Did he just, did he keep this? Like, like I'm like, this guy must be so confident enough no, to do that. No, it's It's No, it's like so confident. And then later also, you guys come in without any questions or whatever. I think that is there is a lot of bravery in
0: that. Yeah, me and Isa just record this podcast to compliment one another. <laughs> that's, that's our <laughs> ultimate objective here.
1: No, we just want to make friends because we're lonely. Yeah, we're lonely.
0: <laughs> but you know, yeah, that's that's why I I really like Jeremy because me and Jeremy completely divergent uh, schools of thought in almost every res- respect, right?
1: But very informed though.
0: He more than I, but yeah, even I. So I'm I'm very cautious in saying things that I haven't read up on, like even things about COVID. BLM I don't really like to talk about them because I know I haven't put enough time in reading and researching because it will take time you know people sound off too quickly yeah. these issues are very complicated you need I I actually have in my to-do list I want to take like a day and really dive into like the whole what the data shows about covid and all these things, I want to take a day to dive into BLM. I want to look at. We can what, do a
1: special episode. <laughs> yeah, man,
0: I would, I would love to, but I don't think people be happy. Because <laughs> I, I, I would definitely not slant too extreme in either way. I would. Because I don't believe it. things are that straightforward. Things are a lot more complicated.
1: But that's the thing. People like you and me, because I feel the exact same way as you, mm. I feel like I shouldn't say something unless I'm completely informed and have very rational opinions on it. Yeah. Because I just don't want to talk out of my butt. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I don't want to say the word. Um, especially
0: but, uh, with issues... You can curse here. It's no problem. Okay. But especially <laughs> issues that are really, really complicated, right? It's so decisive issues. I would be so freaked out to say something so rashly without at least reading and researching properly.
1: But unfortunately, a lot of people don't feel the same way as you. So the people that are being, that are drowning out rational or informed views like us, oh, that's such a, that's such an attest thing to say. We're the elites. We are the the elites. All of your bow
0: before us. (laughs) Who
1: needs to have a whole day to, to research before we speak. But unfortunately, what I was trying to say was, unfortunately, a lot of people don't feel the same way. That's why you have all of these people that speak without thinking. And you're like, and you as a person, I'm like reading some of the Facebook posts and like, how can someone say something like this? Yeah. But then at the same time, I don't go online and try and say, hey dude, this is racist mm. or you shouldn't say this. Yeah. Like I get so angry, for example, like, um, like, do you know the gymnast Farah?
0: No, we're not. Uh, tell me about it, tell me about
1: Farahan, it. Farah Han, I think uh, she's, uh, she he was supposed to go for the Olympics and represent sure. Malaysia for um, gymnastics. Okay. And she's just an amazing athlete. She has won, I think, the Sea Games. She, she's basically an amazing person. And when she got through the Olympics, uh, I think there's like the tryouts, right? For mm-hmm. you to compete in the Olympics proper. Every country get to field their own. So she made it. And instead of people, so when they posted her photo, instead of people congratulating her, everybody was just talking about what she wore.
0: Oh yeah, this happened a few years ago, right? Yeah, remember?
1: Um, I remember. It's I remember constantly it, happening. Also, this year,
0: this happened with not only one; it happened with a few. A uh, lot
1: of a lot of people.
0: Uh, what's that diver? Uh, the the. Oh yes,
1: yes, the uh, the name? East Malaysia. Uh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, uh, I forgot. Huh?
1: Yes. Yes. Ew. Yes. Uh, well, what? What? <laughs> pan, pan, Pandalela. Pan, yeah, yeah,
0: I don't know whether I can pronounce it yeah, correctly. Yeah. yeah, it happened with her as well.
3: Yeah.
0: that's so that I have to say I can speak out on that now, like That's really dumb, lah. You know, yeah. that's really really dumb because it's not like the guys are so modest in their attire as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like even um, Anua's daughter,
2: mm-hmm.
1: what's her name? Isa. Ah, uh, yeah. She had a comment like somebody called up and say you should make sure that you wear your tudung better because I can see your bra or something like that what? as she was talking. Yeah. Oh no. Like. Anyways, where I was getting at with this is that you see a lot of these people who um, troll online, who bullies online. They don't really think about it before they speak. Mm -hmm. So if you ever feel like your views are not good enough... um, if you don't want to share your views on something that is like BLM, which requires a lot of mm. reading, then at least try to counteract this negative sentiment still. Please don't be afraid to, not to say go against, but to provide like an alternative view to or the provide people. provide
0: nuance or context.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because you need you need that clash of ideas, like Mm -hmm. you say, because if you don't provide like a deferring view, then the people who are talking about this online feel like they are the majority view, feel Mm -hmm. like they are in the right. Mm -hmm. And then it just consolidates their views and again that echo chamber effect. So
3: yeah.
0: I do also recognize the downside about thinking about concepts or ideas is that it can be a lot of inaction before it becomes action. So you do... I find myself a lot of times deadlocked into going into acting on a particular issue. Um, because like for example, I have a friend who is like an anti-vaxxer who is like, you know, COVID is a scam. Really? You know. yeah, 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 yeah. Full on. He's like really deep, deep into this and he refuses to wear a mask. He thinks his whole thing is... Let me you know, ask you a question. Is yeah. he
1: like a professional?
0: Uh, no, he's not a professional. Okay. He's the re-
1: professional. Uh, the reason why I ask this is because sometimes you'll be surprised at how quote unquote intelligent or yeah. accomplished some of these some of these people are.
0: I would say this guy is very intelligent, by the way.
1: Yeah. Mm. So intelligence does not translate to having a liberal or progressive view. It really yeah. doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Because of the amount of emotions that also play into that decision making. Mm. So, what were you trying to say? So yeah, so with
0: you- him, so, you know, he makes all these comments, he mm. says all these things on Facebook, whatever. And again, I, I get annoyed with what I perceive to be irrational modes of thinking. So, oh. he annoys me a little bit. But <laughs> I'm very cautious in replying to him because I haven't read enough because he does provide like, you know, he does put up articles from or opinions from, you know, all s- certain people. So, I'm very cautious in replying to him because I have don't have the time to read up. Mm. enough you know because who knows he might be right right he might be right until i can read up enough or i have a really clear logical train of thought to combat it i will i will be very careful on the things that i say to him la you know
1: but exercising caution is such a good habit to have you know you should be cautious before you share share things you should be cautious before you start
3: mm-hmm.
1: talking about certain issues especially if they are sensitive
3: ah uh
0: yeah okay uh, um so we have to cut it a little bit <laughs> sorry <laughs>
1: i did not realize the time yeah
0: yeah we we have to uh yeah so we basically everyone just check the time and isa has to leave uh, yeah
1: i have the- a class
0: ah, oh should.
1: man was such a good conversations though if i do say so
0: yeah <laughs> and we have a lot more to talk about maybe you need to come on again
1: Yeah, maybe you can come on my show too
0: again. Sure, sure, sure. Maybe we'll do something in... uh, When are you free then? January?
1: Maybe we can do a live event. You guys want to come
0: on with us? (laughs) Yeah, we'll do. Me and Isa are taking this to the road, folks. Hope you see that. During the MCO. (laughs)
1: After the PKPV.
0: Rumoroy podcast and Seek to Speak on the Road. Hope to see all of you there. But yeah, um, I actually have so much more to talk to you about. But... uh,
1: I'm sorry. I think I talked too much
0: as well. And no, no, no. It's been fantastic. Um, but you really need to go for your... You got a class. Yeah. So maybe you can just do your plugs before you before you
1: leave uh, <laughs> uh, alright guys um, check out Seek2Speak on all of our socials we are a public speaking blog as well as podcast which aims to provide more accessible public speaking tips in order to help people better verbalize themselves and their stories so currently we're taking a break in December and we are restarting January but look out for our amazing last episode <laughs> with somebody called Roshan
0: uh, not the BFM <laughs> not guy someone who's original, more famous not the original <laughs> (laughs) 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 you can get the yeah so basically
1: that's it like uh, that's my plugs
0: yeah so maybe uh, I'm really sorry that this episode is shorter I actually have a lot of things I want to talk to Aisa about but never mind we'll have her on again Um, maybe for to end we'll do recommendations about uh, maybe speeches the best sort of uh, public speaking speech that someone should watch I also have to think of one give me a second but if you have one, you can say it first.
1: Okay, so this is really subjective. But first of all, a really good place to start is all the TEDx Talks. Mm. Um, they have a huge network of speakers and they're all really amazing. But if I had to pick one speaker that really resonates with me, and I, I, I don't know if you know, but it's actually someone called Reshma Saujani. Mm-hmm. She talked about the quality of being brave, not perfect. Mm. I think for me as a woman, I find myself always striving for perfection and that actually stops me from starting a lot of things because I constantly want to, I constantly want it to be perfect. So I never start because the stars never align for anything to be perfect. And honestly, perfection is such a farce because you're all constantly chasing, you're constantly trying to be better. So that, speech really actually catapulted me and allowed me to do things like Seek to Speak, the podcast. It gave me the bravery of like, you know what? Even if it sucks, even if it's not great, I'm going to start because it's more important to be courageous. And I think public speaking, the biggest issue is confidence. Mm. Is really confidence. People just feel insecure or scared that whatever they say is not a value, that their voice is not great. (laughs) So I think if people are just more likely to be brave you do achieve a lot more things yeah. so that's my recommendation I mean
0: perfection is so overrated as well I mean excellence I feel is a more better uh, thing to strive for right yeah um, okay my recommendation is I, I, I don't really uh, watch speeches per se um, I would recommend um, a comedy special I, I would recommend anything by Dave Chappelle just go on Netflix oh,
1: watch uh, he's Dave David Letterman Chappelle Show. <laughs> why? The, his latest uh, interview oh, with David Letterman
0: yeah. with Dave Chappelle, so good. Yeah, yeah. So, but I would recommend his comedy specials though. Yeah. Go check out David Letterman is doing a great job. Uh, but I would recommend any of his shows because com- uh, stand up comedy is a wonderful, powerful type of public speaking as yeah. well. The interaction between you and the crowd, using the right words, the tone, you know, leaving them hanging, the punchline. It's a wonderful yeah. skill set to have. It's amazing. So Dave Chappelle is definitely a master and I would recommend any of his shows because he's at like, his top game right now. Um, yeah, so that's from that's it from me. Thank you so much for coming on, Aisa.
1: I'm happy to be it here. Was,
0: it was lovely to have you on and you will come on soon. Uh, and anyway, So look forward for that. Yeah?
1: Okay, thank you so much for having me. Sorry, <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright, uh, thank you everyone for listening and we are done. oh my, oh my
3: god.
0: Hi, everybody. Uh, We hope that you enjoyed that uh, conversation with Aisa. So, what we're going to do is, at the end of every episode, we're going to do a bit of a fact check to make sure that we don't say anything... uh, We don't say anything that's factually incorrect. Not for anything, but just to make sure that all the content is up to par. So, in this episode, not many uh, factual errors. Just one. I spoke about... um, Z-rays. And it's actually not Z-rays. It's actually N-rays. And they were described by French physicist uh, Prosper Ren Blonlot in 1903. Not the 1960s. 1903. Uh, But other than that, uh, everything I said about it is true. So it was initially confirmed by others in Paris, France, and subsequently found to be uh, illusory. Uh, It was a uh, confirmation bias. So... Yeah, that's the only fact check for today. Um, Stay tuned for the next episode. Bye.